Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. This is Phil Haugen coming to you from the bunkhouse at our training facility here in Weatherford, Oklahoma. And today I have a special guest on with me. He is a longtime friend, fellow horse trainer. We've known each other for a good while. I mean, 30 some years, worked together at one point. Now they're actually, I am one of the endorsees for their company, which is a large company. I'm gonna let Mark talk about that here in a bit and have some awesome products that we have used long before we ever became endorsed by them. And so we're gonna talk about, we're gonna start out talking about horses and horsemanship. Then we're gonna talk about some of the products and some of the, the wide range of products that his company has. So first of all, I wanna introduce uh, my good friend, Mark Upton. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Phil. It's really good to be at your place here in Weatherford. I don't get to see you very often, though we talk on the phone a good bit. It's really good to be out here today. Thank you. Yeah, and Mark actually brought a two-year-old that I'm going to be riding for him. I've rode a few horses for him, and, and Mark does a outstanding job of taking them on, preparing them for their next stage of training and their next stage of life, and then, and then finishing them out into horses that he will... Uh, rodeo on some, show some. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a good, I'm going to really enjoy this conversation. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun podcast. So first of all, Mark, of course, we talk about horses a lot, horsemanship. Talk a little bit about the changes you've seen, even like, you know, I think we first met what back in the early nineties. Yeah, Phil, we would have met probably about either 95 or 96. In fact, you broke the first colt for me probably in 1996. Really? I didn't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that. yeah a little sorrow Gill, and you were still living on the hill. Yeah. Yeah. The old place. Yeah. Wow. Time flies when we're having fun, Time huh? Time flies. You were rodeoing on a dun horse. You still had yeah. your, your pet saddle bronc horse that you broke out every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those were the days. Those were the days. But you know, like back then, of course, I look back to those days and, and you know, I was training a lot of horses at that point too, mostly all rope horses. And it's changed so much since then. I mean, really and truly, and I talk about this all the time. I mean, I, I went from being you know, to where I was basically kind of a master manipulator, right? Mechanically, yeah. all of us were pretty much mechanical manipulators to a degree, um, to now trying to work with a horse in a way that they better understand the response that we're asking for because of, you know, the true definition to me of horsemanship's communication and leadership. So, you know, talk about, you know, talk about that a little bit, because like you've been through the whole gamut. Oh, just absolutely. like I have. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I grew up on a, on a ranch in eastern Oklahoma, and we had horses that you could do stuff with every day, but they were the furthest thing in the world from being broke. I mean, you know, calling me a horse trainer is like I, I drive a vehicle every day, but but that but you couldn't put me on the Talladega Raceway and expect me to be competitive. So so, but but I think I think everybody's training needed to get better. Horses are worth more. There's a lot more at stake. I mean, there's a lot of events that you can go to that pay big, and those horses have to be broke. We. We've all gotten on horses before that people have even won on, but you can't even load the circle on them in the arena. And, and at some point in time, that's going to come back to bite you. If you if they start souring out somewhere, you start having problems. If they're not broke and don't have a foundation, then how do you fix any of that? So I think it's come. I think it's come where it needs to be, and it's kind of scary to think where it's going. Yeah, you know, key word in there, and we still use it every day. The word broke. You know, back in the day broke kind of meant to break their spirit yep. right yep. because it, right. it was back in the day let's face it it was kind of a physical battle yes, for a good bit of it not with all horses but was but because of our lack of knowledge and understanding and we were doing the best we could i mean we weren't trying to screw up <laughs> right i mean we were we were just all trying to do the best we could and 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 we were doing some good things, but now, just like you're saying now, the horses, everybody is starting to understand that if we can present things in a way that the horse understands, the chances of getting that soft, willing response are so much easier. Well, and I mean, you look at horses today, I don't care if it's in the cutting horse maturity, the snaffle bit maturity, these rope horse maturities, but you got three, four, five-year-old horses that, my gosh, they're doing stuff that eight, nine, ten-year-olds used, used to be doing. And I don't know if it's because the horses have gotten so much better or the trainers have gotten, I don't know. But but I know there's some young horses that are doing some big things. Well, both. Like the, so. the horses are, you know, we have, uh, we've done a, I mean, we're smart people when it comes to books and research and in whatever industry you're in, I mean, we're, we're, we are, we all have a growth mentality in this business. I mean, whether you're promoting a product, a service, a horse, but we've done a great job of raising great horses. I agree. And as trainers, I just feel like it's so encouraging because everybody that I deal with for the most part has that mindset that there's there's that other step to get to, right? right? I mean, right. you and I talk about it all the time. We've been around this business a long time, and it's kind of like the more you figure out, the more you figure out you need to figure out. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so much to learn. You know, I'll still run across somebody every now and then. I'll say, I've got a really broke horse. Well, is that broke or is he gentle? <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a big difference in being broke or gentle. So yeah, I, there's a ton of things to learn. I, I, I learn stuff every day. And, and I really appreciate being able to pick up the phone and call somebody like you because I can explain to you the issues that I'm having and you give me some pointers as to how to work through those. So. Well, and I, I, I've talked about this all the time too. For anybody out there, when you have a question, there are a lot of resources out there. Use them. Exactly. Use them. It doesn't have to be me. It could be for a lot of people out there, you know, you would be a wonderful resource 
in a lot of areas. And, and, and I, the reason I say that is a lot of times people that aren't 100% just in the training business don't feel like their opinion or their experiences are worthy enough. And that's right. not correct. Right. Because really and truly, there's a lot of people just like in your same situation that runs a completely another business that's related to the Western industry that, you know, is not spending 12 to 15 hours a day training horses. But at the same time, the experiences you're having and a lot of others that I deal with in the same the same boat, those are very, very valuable experiences. Well, Phil, one thing I appreciate about this industry is is so many people at, at your level are willing to answer the questions over the phone or bring your horse out let's ride for a little bit and, and just because you're I, as you know I, I sold a colt that you wrote for me to absolutely a rope horse trainer here not long ago and when he came in the house and tried that colt he pointed out some things that i'd let that colt get weekend things that you had him doing but i just didn't keep progressing well you learn from those things you know you, you make notes middle notes and, and but people are willing to help you just got to reach out yeah 100 percent I think the I think one of the things that's really progressed our industry is the fact that with the knowledge that's out there and with the resources, I th- I do think people have gotten really good at using them and continuing to improve because I use them. Absolutely, I use them weekly. Absolutely, you know, I mean, if I've got a question and I'm struggling, I do not have one bit of a problem with calling somebody and saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm getting. Give me your thoughts. See, I'm the same way. I was always the guy that I never had any problem stopping and asking for directions if I was lost because every right. minute I drove around lost was the minute <laughs> of my life I could never get back. So I would much rather learn from your hard knocks than me have to go through all those myself. So I, I don't have a big problem picking up the phone. You know, and it's neat with, uh, there's a lot of younger people that listen to this podcast and, uh, it's really neat, like at my clinics, I, I see this every clinic, where you've got a couple younger riders slash trainers, because everybody that's riding is a trainer. And what they can do at 12, 13, 14 years old, pretty crazy it, compared it, to in the 90s. They're, they're doing things now at 12 years old that I wasn't doing when I was 25. It's crazy, Phil. It is I absolutely mean, crazy. The talent, we talked, you mentioned a while ago the talent of the horses that are being raised today, but look at these kids. I mean, it's unbelievable. They're changing the industry. And it, and it shows, it, it shows in the value of the horses, the quality of the horses, the quality of competition. Absolutely. Which at any level, just this last week, they would have the footage from the junior high final on. So when I'd come in at lunch, I was watching some of it. And, you know, you're looking at sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And I mean, they're riding some nice horses. And they're doing a good job with those horses. You know, and it's, it, it is so encouraging in our industry. And especially, and we'll talk about this in a minute, the, com- the company that you represent, you know, it's so encouraging for the people in the Western industry and the products in the Western industry and the services, because I just think it's as good as it's ever been. And I think we're just barely scratching the tip of the iceberg. 
Yeah, I do too. And it's such a joy, you know, after having come out of COVID and all the mess that caused, it's such a joy to be involved in this industry because I think it's one of the few industries that has their heads screwed on straight. I mean, it really, it's a, it's a lot of fun to be around. People tend to gravitate towards this way of life. Um, I, I couldn't be more proud of it. Couldn't be more proud of raising my kids in it. You know, and just being around the people in this industry, there was uh, last week when I was finishing up my clinics in North Dakota, I said uh, um, the North Dakota Cowboy Hall of Fame had their induction weekend and I was there and and there were at that induction dinner, there was 350 people probably. And a lot of those people, you know, a lot of them don't swing a leg over a horse. Sure. And a lot of them do. But at the same time, what's so cool is those people, they still gravitate to that mentality, to the lifestyle. Absolutely. You know, I always say this, we have got the best deal. It is. We have got the best deal. And like parents out there that have been able to raise their families with that influence. Yes, sir. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean we have to be on the road 24-7, 365, right. you know to have been influenced by that industry, right. you know, because just like you and I, we're so, so blessed because we get to, well, basically it's just like today, you bring a colt down, we get a visit, we get a hangout, we get, you know, we're both in different parts of this industry, but I always enjoy all that. I do too. And, 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 and that movement is strong. I was, I was in Florida all last week at the Florida Cattlemen's Convention. And I tell you what, just to see the youth that they've got involved in their industry and that are, that are coming up to take the, take the place of their, their dads and their grandpas. I mean, it's, it, it's a great industry to be involved in. I love it every day. I'm so thankful that I don't have to punch a clock and go into an office every day. And I don't love cleaning stalls every morning, but by the same token, it's a privilege. <laughs> so I, I look forward yeah. to being able to get to do it. Well, that part of it, you know, we learn a work ethic. Absolutely. You know, it's it's just like when somebody comes to work for me, first thing I tell them is, you'll never get asked to do a job I haven't done 10,000 times. Exactly. Doesn't mean I wanted to do it. Right. Doesn't mean I, you know, wanted to do it. But, you know, that's, in our industry, that work ethic of, it's not optional horses you're going to feed put it in one end and clean it up out of the other every day every single day. every day so that part of it it teaches a great work ethic yeah. and and you see yeah. it in our young people yeah i was thinking about that on the drive out here today you know we're just supposed to hit over 100 degrees this week and it's not a matter of okay so it's going to get hot this week so i guess i just spend all day in the house watching tv you know it's it's you're figuring out okay well how early do i have to get up to get those chores done and how late am i going to be out to get those horses ridden so you you figure it out you don't take the you don't take the summer off you just figure out how you're going to make it happen yeah i think uh we're actually recording this on a monday morning but i think wednesday we're going to be at 107 with capping 115 or 20 heat index yeah i'm too old for that i don't look forward uh, to it at all yeah, I'll be rolling out early that morning. I'll be rolling out early that morning. But you know that that uh, you know those are the mornings where you tell yourself, "This is what I get to do." Absolutely. This isn't what I have to do. This is what I chose to do, and this is what I get to do. Absolutely, I agree. So switching gears a little bit, tell us a little bit about you know your progression with your horses. 
once they leave, basically I'm kind of your cult starter. So once they leave here, talk a little bit about how you go through a little bit of progression with your horses. Cause you do a, you do a really good job of keeping a horse sane, <laughs> quiet. Are there challenges? Absolutely. That's guaranteed. Yes, sir. And, and what you're looking for when you're progressing a horse, cause there's a lot of people out there, like I said, in your same position. In fact, that the majority of people are in yeah. your position. Yeah, I'll be the first to admit I'm pretty slow. I uh, I don't I don't get a which horse is there. good. Yeah, I don't I don't get a horse there very fast, and I probably am more guilty of staying at one you know at one level and not progressing fast enough than I am guilty of progressing too fast. Um, I guess how do I do it? I enjoy it. I, I I try to be on them several days a week. I I pick up the phone and call if I have questions. I'm I, the first to admit I'm not real good when it comes to progression, progressing through bits and things like that. So I ask a lot of questions, but I've heard you talk a lot about introducing horses to cattle and giving something to, to get their mind on something different. And I do like to do that. I like to, once I get them back from you and they get used to me and I get used to them. You told me one time I, I called you after the yellow horse you rode for me and I made a comment how I was frustrated. Your comment was, well, if you're frustrated, just think how frustrated he is. And so I try to remember that. But once I kind of get used to them and they get used to me, I like to put a worn out roping calf in the round pen and just give them a reason to stop and turn around and, and, and track around. And, and I do take them slow. I used to think if I could get them to where I could go tie a calf down on them by their December of their three-year-old year, then I was probably doing pretty good. And and I do that some. There's some I don't make you quite that fast. It takes me just a little bit longer. But I try to get in front of people and ride them in front of other people that can look for things. Um, I've ridden enough of them now that I can get a little bit of a sense of a pattern. You know, I can I probably get a little better feel than I did once before. But I just try to take it slow, progress with them. I do ride pastures a lot. I've, I've got some acreage, and I try to get them outside and ride them a good bit outside just to get to, to learn them a little bit. But it's a slow process for me, Phil. I just don't get any hurt. Well, you you hit the nail on the head there, and I was hoping you'd say something about this, about taking your time. Here, here's something that we're that I think gets missed in our industry a lot. And the training process, we've, we've been all, we're too focused on days or months of riding. It should be hours. It should be hours, days and months. That's irrelevant. I mean, I think, you know, there's a big difference in getting, you know, 150 or 200 hours on a horse in a year versus 75 hours, Agreed. you know, or a hundred, you know what I mean? It, it's all about hours and time in the saddle because feel, timing, balance are all things that your horse starts to recognize from you. And you do a great job of this, whether you, you, you may not even think about this, but you do a great job of this because you will spend the time in the saddle. Well, and I'll, yeah, and, and, and the more hours I spend in the saddle, the better it is for me, but the horses as well. And I'll give you an example. Yesterday afternoon, I'd been gone all week. I was, it was hot. I was tired. I needed to mow grass and all that. I rode two horses is all I rode yesterday, but I bet I wasn't on either one of them more than 20, 25 minutes. All I did was exercise them. I didn't teach them anything. I just got them out and exercised them. 
that's way different than going saddling one up and spending an hour, hour and a half, two hours. So I got a ride on them, but I didn't spend very much time in the saddle. And that is a huge difference. It is. There's still benefit. Absolutely. There's still benefit, but at the same time, we're, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying we're missing the boat, but here's what, what's happened to us as a society to a degree. We've gotten so efficient in so many areas that it's all about how quickly can we get this done. Absolutely. And even like now, for me, it's so different the horses I'm riding now versus yep. back, you know, even, you know, especially like say 10 years ago when I was loaded up. Yes, sir. And now I can enjoy it more. Yep. I slow down more. I still got results back then. And, and maybe, you know, it was still, it was still going in a positive direction, no doubt, because a lot of those horses went on and had a lot of success. But I think to get to a whole nother level, you have to take, you have to slow down, take that time. Right. Because they got to understand. And like I said, feel a horse developing, you know, recognizing your feel. I mean, it just makes sense. The more time, our butts in the saddle, exactly right. the, the more they're going to recognize that. You know, those horses are so smart and, and not that it's field, but I can remember the, the gray mare that you broke for me years ago. I can, yeah, I remember, I can well. remember having her in the arena at home and, and working her. I, I can remember vividly loping circles and my phone ring and she stopped <laughs> because so many times my phone would ring and I would stop her. So, I mean, it, it's yeah. just repetition. They just learn. It's amazing how smart they are, uh, but it's just repetition and correct repetitions too. Well, and just like right there. So whether we realize it or not, that phone ringing creates a change in our body, that's and it's exactly right. it's that change mm -hmm. that that's they know something's going to happen. That's, right. that's it's so just like you and I were talking about this morning. I'm putting a pro cutter flag up in my barn to even work not only the cow horses, you know, the, the cow bred horses, but the running bred horses, because I want to have something that they move with and they have a reason to stop and, and I can get more stops, more rate. And they feel that, but they feel with my body that a change is coming. That, that signal, you know, that signal before the signal is the one that matters. Absolutely. 100%. Because I mean, just like us, we're both, you know, taller, long yes, arms, long legs, longer yes, legs. You know, we're, you know, we can provide some leverage I agree. if we had to. I agree. But we are so much better off if when when our horse, when we they feel that change in our body, they go, oh, something's coming. Yep. Right? And yep. that that's what flips that switch back to sure. the thinking side of their brain so that they're looking for that soft willing response. Yeah. And you felt that a ton as you progress these sure. younger horses in the rope. Sure, you talk a lot about the sit stop. You can take almost any young horse after, you know, after they've had some time, some rides, you can, you can put them in a trot and sit down and then say, whoa, do that two or three times. If they've got any sense whatsoever, 
next time you sit down, they're going to start getting into that stop. They're just, you, they're just, they're just smart. I mean, they just figured out really quick. Yeah, they start getting ready. It's, it's really amazing. Really and truly, it's really amazing how good they do recognize it. It is. Because if the roles were reversed and you were the horse and they were the rider, I promise you, you would be hoping they gave you some warning. It's exactly right. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a horse, a rope horse or barrel horse running 30, 35 miles an hour and knowing I'm not going to get any warning. And then the next thing that's going to happen is I get my, get my face pulled on that, that will create a reactive response. I can't imagine being that old. You know, and you, and unfortunately, you can kind of tell the horses that run thinking sure. that that's what's coming. Exactly. You know, so. Anticipate. Sure. So like on your horses, you know, taking one, broke as a two-year-old or trained as a two-year-old, then hoping you tie down a calf by the start of their three-year-old year. Yep. Talk a little bit about progressing one to go to the quarter horse shows. You've done that a good bit. Yeah, I never was. I, I kind of started doing that field because I never was very fast. I never could, you know, I, I can go to these aged events or these numbered events, but just to go to an open rodeo or something. And, and I like to ride good horses. And so I started going to those quarter horse shows a long time ago. And kind of what my deal was, was I'd have a seasoned horse that I could go rope one and then a young one coming up and uh, and then get that young one ready to go and sell the older one. Just just try to get some get some good runs. You know, you know what the rules are in the, in the, in the show and deal. And so just trying to get some consistent runs again getting in front of people that know way more than me and pointing out little things that need to change whether it's working rope or whatever uh with with tying down calves there's so many different elements that play into it but i, I just i just go home I, I rope a lot by myself i try to get the fundamentals worked out and then when i get in a bumpy spot go rope with somebody and let them tell me how to get over that bump and just go home and fix that until i hit another bump and just keep going until i feel like i've got a product that i can I can go put in front of the judge and get something done. And I do go to quite a few jackpots, whether it's a two-header or whatever, and try to get them seasoned. But that is my shortcoming, is getting them away from home and, and getting them out on the road. Yeah, but the, a lot of times seasoning a horse, yes, that's important. But that time you spend at home, you always got to remind yourself, that's just another day that I got to build confidence. Absolutely. And Absolutely. confidence is everything. You know, Bridget and I just had this conversation yesterday. She was on the fence about going to a barrel race with this younger horse of Hannah's that she's going to run it at Pink Buckle this fall. And and like I told her, I mean, if you go, it'll be fine. If you don't go, it'll be fine. Just because you're home does not mean you're not doing something good to build confidence. Because with horses, whether it's horses or humans, you better have confidence in what you're doing and confidence comes from preparation absolutely right repetitions so like even with those young horses when you do build that confidence that becomes the norm then when you leave and you go to season them because i remember one year i rode a horse at cheyenne that was four wow that i had doctored a jillion cattle on all winter and i'd been roping on him probably since about April of that spring. But I mean, he was, that horse, him and I had spent some time together. That's a big deal. He trusted you. 
Yeah. And when you when you put that horse in the trailer to go somewhere, it's a way different mindset to say, you know what? Unless something really bad happens, we're going to win some money. That's a whole different mindset than saying, man, I need to have some good luck and we're going to do good. It, yeah. It's a complete different way to look at it. With, on the preparation side of it, you just touched on something that's real important for people to understand. If you're going hoping that the stars line up and everything works perfect and you don't get, you're not going to get embarrassed. If that's what you're hoping, you're going too soon. Stay home. Stay home. That's exactly right. Help your horse. Take, right. Taking your horse off too soon. And I know there's times you think you need to be doing more of it, and, and maybe there is, you know, but but what you do at the house, just like you said, I'm there by myself. You're taking your time. You're letting them figure it out. It is unmeasurable how valuable that is. I agree. Because some horses, just like with kids, some horses need, they need a ton of it. I agree. They, you got to build build that confidence. Because here's the thing, everything we're doing, we're either building confidence or creating anxiety. I agree. Well, what are, which one are we doing? Yeah. I, right? I'll be the first minute. I'm the schmuck that sometimes, I, as you know, I, I broke my wrist back in February, and so I haven't you know, rode much. So I'm the... I'm the fifth wheel that a lot of times these summer rodeos, I'll take a young horse and go along with the guys that are entering just to ride, you know, just to ride in the arena, ride in the grand entry, let them see the stuff. I, I, uh, I just think it's important for them to, for them to get, see the sights. I enjoy going and watching my buddies rope and it's good to take a young horse along to do that. So. Oh, hundred percent. Well, and here again, you're putting them in a position to be successful, to learn, to be safe and you're not putting them in a position to where you destroy what confidence you've already built. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's really one of, I mean, you've got several strong points with your horses, but that's really one of them. I appreciate it. Because like your horses, your horses are pretty confident. They, they may not, you're perfectionist. So, you know, sometimes with people that are perfectionists, that works against you <laughs> because it's all about progress, not perfection. You know how it is. If if the only thing we focus on is perfection, we're never happy. I agree. We're never happy. I agree. Which we've all been I, I think in this business to end up with a great horse, you have to have a little bit of that in you. I agree. But at the same time, I know now, you know, at at, at my age now, you know, I'm fifty eight. I'm way better on focusing on the progress and the perfection. Age, age tends to have a it chill you out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it'll chill you out. Yeah. It'll help. Yeah, it's helped me a bunch. I would much rather be one of my horses now <laughs> than in the late 80s, early 90s. But, Phil, I have an image in my mind back in the 90s. I mean, it didn't matter if you were going to saddle horses or, or or we were out traveling. It didn't matter. When your foot feet hit the ground, you were in a long trot. I mean, you were just in a long trot. You always go, go, go. You're going too fast. So that's easy. Well, I thought I had a lot to do. I'm trying to that way too. And sometimes <laughs> when you think you have a lot to do, the best thing you can do is slow yourself down. <laughs> like I heard a guy say the other day, if you know, if you if you go at it like you got two hours to get it done, it'll take fifteen minutes. If you act like you got fifteen minutes, it'll take you, take two, you hours. two hours. He was talking about training a horse. That's exactly right. And I was like, you know what? There are those times when we get out there and we're like, you know, I'm just going to take my time and see how it goes. And 
and all of a sudden they're just whacking it out, you know, and I mean, feels great and, you know, you're just going with them. It's like having a good dance partner. And then there's some days it's like you're out there wrestling an octopus that whose family members jumped in on the deal too. But man, I've heard you say this a thousand <laughs> times. And, and if you'll, if it, I don't, but if you were to journal those days that your horses are good or bad and what you were doing, so many times you walk in the barn in a hurry, you're going to get this knocked out and go do something. And I guarantee they can feel it. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, and that holds true for everybody. Absolutely. I, I don't care if you're the, you know, the greatest horseman in the world, whoever that is, it's the same for him. Yep. The greatest horseman in the world, the difference between him and probably the rest of us is, he's figured that out. That's right. That A lot longer ago than it took me. You know, when I was in college, I had a, I've told this story a few times on my podcast, but there's a bay, four-year-old bay mare, and I remember, like, she's standing right here. <laughs> I was riding for a lady in Casper, Wyoming, and I was staying at John Buckingham's place, and he's a good cowboy. And a real blessing that he was in my life at that time. And for about two weeks, I'd been riding this mare, and every day she bucked, and every day I rode her, and we got through the bucking, and then she got she was getting to where she kind of rode around. And one day I came hustling through the barn because after I got done riding her, and another customer horse in, we roped and rode Bronx all day. Well, that's what I really wanted to do, right? right? Of course. I got to get this. I'm in a hurry. Right. And John said to me in just, just real soft voice, he said, Phil, if you're in a hurry to catch that bay mare today, I wouldn't catch her. <laughs> and I was like, right, whatever. Right. I hurry down there, catch her, do the bucking sure. show. and. Sure. Later that night, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm like, I'm I'm the trigger that causes her to buck every day. It's, it's I mean, so I am the complete opposite of it's, what I need to be. It's so true. You know? It's so true. And, yeah. and, you know, after that, I went at it differently. Of course, I had a lot to fix because I'd really screwed up. Sure. You know, I'd made her into a bucking horse. Right, I understand. You know, I, I rode the bucking horse before I went and rode the bucking horses. Right. The ones Absolutely. we flanked. Absolutely. And, but John, you know, he was really sharp and good horseman and good guy. But, you know, he was in his, he was probably my age. Right. Now. He'd seen At that time. Yeah. Of course, I'm 20. Right. I'm, no, at that time I was probably 18, 19 maybe. Yeah. And I'm sure he's thinking this dude's an idiot. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I'll never forget that him sitting there saying, if I was in a hurry to catch that horse, I wouldn't catch her. And I'm like, well, how am I going to get this bucking deal over with if I don't ride her? Exactly. So I was, exactly. that's the difference. Time is, is a very good teacher if we'll listen. But you're doing good by learning that before you're too old to implement it. So right. many people learn it, they're too old to implement it then. Oh, I was super lucky that I learned that. It, yeah. 18 or 19 or whatever I was. I think I was 19 at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, uh, the horse deal is, uh, you know, it's such a great industry and we're going to talk a little bit now about your company and the products that you provide and central life sciences is the parent company. And I'll tell you what, just to start with, just tell everybody a little bit about your company because Because there's going to be a lot of products that you have that 
just like when when I became an endorsee for you, I didn't realize Central Life Sciences was the company that owned the products I was already using. Yes, sir. So my paycheck says Central Life Sciences, our office is out of the suburb of Chicago, and we focus more on ag type stuff. So we have products that go into grain as it's going into storage. So so let me say this. First of all, all we do is control pests, insects. That's all we do, kill bugs. And so if it's if it's grain going into storage, we have products to help prevent those stored grain pests. Um, the two businesses that I manage, one is the feed additive business. And so we have two products that we're feeding to either cattle. So beef for dairy cattle, horses, uh, sheep, goats, swine to prevent flies. Mostly uh, you feed it to the animal, they put it out the back end and prevent flies from being a problem around your place. And then. And then the other business that I help to manage is what we would call our packaged goods. So it would be products that would be scatter baits that you scatter on the ground to, to attract flies and kill them, sprays that you would spray around the place, um, sticky traps, things like that that you're going to use to try to, to try to catch and kill flies. And, and with horses in particular, that's going to be stable flies and house flies. We do, our parent company is actually a company called Central Garden and Pet. They're out of a suburb of San Francisco and, and we do also own Farnham. So a lot of, a lot of on, on animal products, a lot of sprays and things like that. And uh, great products, it's a great company. We, we've got a lot of really cool products that will fit into your, you know, everybody's operation. Clarify is the product that we have that you would feed an animal. And, and that works really good. In fact, we are launching within the next week or so, we're launching a new product that we, you could top dress on, on your horse feed to help prevent those prevent those flies as well. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Well, and like, of course, you know this, but, and most people on my podcast knows this too, but like the Farnham products, mm-hmm. which great product line. Sure. But I like the fly sprays, you know, this year we've had a ton of rain. Yes, sir. <laughs> and the flies are aggressive. Yes, they are. Right. I mean, like a lot of years with young colts, I wouldn't even use fly spray on them. Number one, because they come in and they're really not ready to be fly spray. Right. Unless you want pawed. You know, I mean, they will defend themselves if you scare them. Exactly. Well, this year I've got everything broke to fly spray because... Here's the thing with training horses. If they're so busy fighting for their lives, fighting flies, they're not thinking about me. Well, the three products, the the fly spray products I love are Endure. Yes, sir. Endure is awesome. Yes, sir. Bronco Gold and Bronco. Yes, sir. All three of them. uh, I love the Endure when just like this week where it's going to be really hot. Mm -hmm. You know, that product stays with them. I agree. It stays with them. And the other two are good too, but I think Endure is the best with that. And then the Vetrolin, the spray wash. Yep. I love that. Like every time we wash a horse off, which is every time we ride them this time of year, I love that because I see not a, when you get that, when you get their body, you know, that hair coat clean. Yes, sir. The flies do not have the protein products to go attack. I agree. And yep. that, that will eliminate a lot of flies on your horses as well. On top of, I love it, the way it makes the mane and tails feel. Because yep. it will make a mane and tail. Most of the time with a mane and tail, the reason you lose your mane and tail is because you're breaking those hairs. That's exactly right. 
and yeah. that will keep it soft and then I can brush them out. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah, I love, I, I use those products every day. And I've been, too. I use a bunch of them. I do too, and you do, you know, of course, we, we make products to sell and we love to sell, sell products, but one of the things that you do that so many people could learn from is keep the place cleaned up. So those stable flies, two, two flies are gonna affect the horse, a house fly and a stable fly. The stable flies are gonna feed on blood, but, yeah. they're, but they're not gonna be on the horse very long. They're gonna come get a blood meal and then they're gone. Well, they like to go to weeds and things like that. It's tall grass, that's where they like to hide out in the shade mm -hmm. so keep the grass mowed keep things picked up you do away with their habitat they don't have much of a place to be house flies are a filth fly they're going to be where you've got rotting hay uh, manure piled up things like that they're going to go that's where they're going to lay their eggs and so if you'll help to keep those things cleared out you know keep that hay spread out keep it dried out scatter your manure you're taking away where they get their breeding sites and so you'll help to reduce those numbers you never going to get rid of all of them. And so that's where the sprays come in. There are baits. We've got a product, and I can't remember if you've tried this or not, but it's called Quick Strike Abatement Strip. You can put it like in your saddling areas, put it in a five gallon bucket. So when the flies yeah, no, die, I've you used catch them. Oh, yeah. Those work really good. Um, yeah. There's a lot of products out there that you could try, just depending on your area or, or, yeah. or your operation as to what yeah. works and what doesn't. But anytime you can keep those flies to a low roar, it's, it's, it's amazing how much more much happier the horses are well like in the summertime just like now to me it's just like this morning when i put that set of horses that's on the exerciser i sprayed all them down before i put them on well immediately when i put them on there they're not stomping right. which i mean there's there's a lot of data out there now that shows some of the soundness issues that come from horses stomping all the time. Absolutely. I mean, and it just makes sense. Sure it does. You know, if something's bothering you enough and you're stomping and stomping and once in a while you get a little relief. Yes, sir. Well, then it makes it to where when you feel it again right away, you go to stomping. Yep. Oh, you know, you, if you were to hear a horse kicking a stall out there right now, you walk out there and look, I can guarantee you it's stable flies. It doesn't take but one or two stable flies yeah. on a horse, and it? It's painful to them. It hurts. They want them. They want them gone, and they're going to get them gone. Well, it's just annoying. Sure, it is. Never going to be fatal. That's right. But that's annoying it. as heck. That's exactly. Well, that's right. you know, it, it it's just another, you know, it's just another part of our industry that I think it's super important that people utilize. I would agree. Because with horses, you always got to remember the only muscle you're training on a horse is the one that's the size of our fist in their skull. Well, that's what's telling the body to do everything. That's right. And the more comfortable you can make the body, you know, and take away some of those exterior, you know, annoyances Absolutely. like that, you can get that brain back to thinking about what responses we're asking for. Absolutely, and you, you've experienced this, I'm sure you may not remember it, but how many times have you have, like you're roping some steers or calves and, and the, the bovine, the steer of the calf may have flies on it. You back your horse in the corner, you're trying to teach the horse something, and it's just fighting these flies like crazy that have jumped off of this bovine. So, yeah, I mean, it, it it's definitely going to be their focus, and you're not going to be if, until you can yeah. get, get them some relief. Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, it causes a horse to flip that switch and be reactive. Absolutely. And, and you know, everything we do is about helping a horse think yep. and find the responses we're asking for. And so I... I really saw it this morning 
um, when I caught those colts and one horse in particular, the flies just drive yeah. that colt nuts. Some of them are I a mean, lot, he just yeah. goes ballistic. They're a lot more sensitive. So anyway, yeah, I wanted to touch on those products. Talk about your company. Do a great job with your company where we are a extremely happy to be part of that team because those were products that I've used forever. I appreciate it. I've used forever and and they you know when they work you don't have to sell them that's exactly right <laughs> that's exactly right i mean if they didn't work i wouldn't use them uh, me either i wouldn't care <laughs> if they were free it wouldn't matter i wouldn't use them either so that makes it kind of well that makes it real nice when you represent a company that has those products that's so right. now the product where you top dress the feed for horses that's going to be big yeah so that that's a product called clarify and we have feed company customers around the u.s that'll have those have Clarify offered into a lick tub or yep, something I've like used that. Those. But uh, but this will be the first one one of the first. There's two or three free choice products on the market. But yeah, this one will be labeled for uh, bovine, equine, swine, sheep, and goats. Uh, we think a lot of show animal people right. use it. Um, but yeah, you just top dress it every day. You're putting it in one end so they can put it out the other end. You treat the manure and uh, prevent those flies from from hatching out. Well, like in the summertime, in the runs, in the mm -hmm. barns. Yep. That will be huge. Absolutely. That will be huge because, Absolutely. you know, there are certain horses that come in. Like I've got some traps to where I can put some horses, but there are certain times you have to have them in the runs. Yep. And really and truly, if you don't have some kind of fly control, basically you're putting them in a torture chamber. <laughs> That's right. That's I mean, nice. you're putting them in there to where they are hot. Yeah. You know, it's we're going to have heat indexes of a hundred and you know, 10 to 15, maybe sure. even 120 this week. Yep. Can you imagine how miserable that'd be? I cannot. <laughs> I mean, it'd be like, get away from it. oh, it'd be torture. It would be. It'd just be I torture. Agree. So that's going to be huge. So anyway, we're going to wrap this up. Mark, thanks for coming out. Thank you. Appreciate all you do for our industry. Appreciate, you know, your friendship all these years and, and, uh, you know, being a customer as well for me. No, I appreciate everything you've done. And, and, and I really enjoy being able to call you a friend. I, I, I brag on you all the time. So I really do appreciate it. Good. Keep that up. I will. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to wrap this up. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week. Have a great week of training. God bless each and every one of you. And as always, today and every day, let's be our best. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, head over to philhagenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhagenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our Training Through Understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better, whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.